Let me read you a poem while you're looking. You just listen. A careful man I ought to be. A little fellow follows me. I do not dare to go astray for fear he'll go the self-same way. I cannot watch once escape his eyes. Whatever he sees me do, he tries. Like me, he says he's going to be the little chap who follows me. He thinks that I am good and fine, believes in every word of mine. The base in me, he must not see that little chap that follows me. I must remember as I go through summer sun and winter snow, I am building for the years to be for that little chap that follows me. Joshua said it like this in Joshua twenty four fifteen. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 1. Take your Bible, if you will, and let's stand together out of respect for the word as we read. You follow along as, as I read aloud. Verse 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. Whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have set this day... I have, excuse me, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, I come to you this morning and I ask you to take your word and apply it to our hearts and lives. Drive it, drive it deep within us. Help us to see that you have a plan for every person's life. Dear Lord, I ask you this morning to do a work in our hearts that only you can do. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. Thank you for allowing Daniel and Brittany to be with us this morning. Thank you for the burden that you've placed on them for the people of Russia. Dear Lord, give us that same burden for the people of Festus, Crystal City, Herculaneum, Peavley, DeSoto, and Hillsborough. Those communities around us. As we are going into our world, help us to preach the gospel to every creature. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I have a great deal of difficulty understanding the logic of people who would abort a baby. I understand that often babies are conceived at a very inconvenient time in the person's life. I understand that often they are going to be troublesome. Having raised one myself, there can be lots of trouble. But the truth of the matter is, God has a plan for every child. Those people who are so quick to declare that they are pro-choice 
do not understand that the child they abort may be the one that would have discovered the cure for cancer. May have been the one that would discovered uh, the, the treatment for AIDS and for Ebola and for uh, all of these weird viral diseases. May have been the one that would uh, cause America to step back and take a look at our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, and, and realize that we no longer live in the land of the free. And maybe it's time that the home of the brave and the brave of the home stood up and said no to our government. What I'm telling you is that no baby is ever conceived that God does not know that child before its conception. And that's what he says here to Jeremiah. He says to Jeremiah, Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctify thee. I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So when your children and your grandchildren are running around and you don't know quite what to do, understand that God has a plan for that child. You young people, God has a plan for your life. God has something special for you. He knew you before you were conceived. He knows everything that you have gone through and everything you are going to go through. And trust me, and trust the Word of God, all things do work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the call according to His purpose. God has a plan. And he's working his plan. I can think of so many people that I've known through the years that God has taken their lives and it looked like a a worthless clump of clay or a worthless clump of coal. God has taken it. And taken the chisel of circumstances and the chisel of difficulty. And he's begun to reveal the facets of the diamond that was within. Now, we look back on those folks and we say, wow, how incredible. Let me share a few examples with you before I really get into the message. Dr. Mark Cameron was the uh, was an associate pastor to W. B. Riley Northwestern Seminary, which is now Northwestern University, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And Dr. Mark Cameron uh, was the type of child that Sunday school teachers dreaded. Okay. Today he would have been called hyperactive. Okay. You understand what that means? Hyperactive. ADHD. Attention deficit hyperactive disorder. Okay? ADHD. Some people think I may be... What was I saying? Look, a squirrel. (laughs) Just kidding. Dr. Mark Cameron, by the time he was 12 years old, had had three Sunday school teachers quit because he was in their class and they could not control him. His mother brought him to Sunday school 
every Sunday morning. He never was allowed to miss. They were in church for training union on Sunday evening. They were in church for prayer meeting on Wednesday night. If there was a special meeting going on, Mark Cameron was there. He was what we used to call an unholy terror. Okay? There were other children who were known as holy terrors. The unholy ones are even worse. And when he was about 17, 18 years old, he attended a revival meeting. Don't know if he went on his own or if his mother made him go, but Mordecai Ham preached a revival meeting in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and Mark Cameron sat through the message, and the Holy Spirit reached down and got his heart and squeezed it real good and said, you're a sinner, and you're going to hell if you don't get saved. If an individual had said that to him, he probably would have knocked him out. When the Holy Spirit says it to you, you can't do anything about it except listen. And he went forward and he trusted Christ as his personal Savior. Dr. Mark Cameron became W.B. Riley's uh, associate. He then became the, uh, a pastor of a small church in Rossville, Georgia, became the dean of the Bible school at Tennessee Temple University, and later the co-founder of the Florida Bible College in Miami, Florida. The thing that he is best known for is his preaching on prophecy. He wrote a book that I just love entitled Revelation, uh, Daniel and Revelation Made Plain. And another book entitled Come Lord Jesus. He wrote a commentary on the book of Isaiah. Wow. That's quite an accomplishment, quite an accomplishment if you've ever read the book of Isaiah. But he started the Seaside Mission in Miami, Florida, later moved it to Kissimmee, Florida. And the Seaside Mission was a ministry to Jewish people in Florida. Why? Because in the 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, there were more Jews in Florida than in all of Israel. In fact, more Jews in Miami than in all of Israel. It's only been in the last few years that they've Israel has caught up with the number of Jews in Florida. If a Jewish ministry saw two or three people saved a year, it was considered very successful. Dr. Cameron was seeing three saved a month. I mean, just, wow, incredible ministry. Why? Because he understood the Hebrew Bible so well. He could talk to them about things that they understood. God used him mightily. I guarantee you, when that first Sunday school teacher went to the Sunday school director and said, I quit. I can't handle this class anymore. Mark Cameron's driving me crazy. I've done everything I know to do. I've even taken him to his mother. Apparently she can't do anything either. Well, I'm not sure that's true, but it didn't change his behavior in Sunday school. Wow, over and over and over again. And then, Cowboy. I'll think of his name in just a few minutes. Cowboy from Oklahoma. Whew, a rough rider. Not one of Teddy Roosevelt's rough riders, just a rough rider. This guy drank, he smoked, he cussed. He'd fight anybody, drop of a hat. 
and sometimes he'd drop the hat himself just to get into a knockdown, drag out brawl. One day, Gene Winfrey is riding his horse past the church, and he hears them singing. And he said, I don't have any idea why I did it, but I wheeled that horse to a stop, got out, threw the reins around the hitching post, and walked into the church and sat down in the back. And he said, for whatever reason, the preacher whom I did not know knew everything about me. And he brought it all to the people's attention while he was preaching. The more he talked, the matter I got. He said, by the time the invitation was given, I knew I was a dirty, rotten sinner and I needed Jesus. Dr. Winfrey pastored in Marietta, Georgia for, I don't know, 50 years, something like that. Dr. Gene Winfrey, what a guy. Loved the Lord, served the Lord, started Bible college. And then there was a lady who lived in Crystal City, Missouri. She was adopted when she was a baby, an infant, adopted by an Italian couple, which only makes sense since she was Italian. Her name was Rosalie Rose. I have no idea what her last name was when she was born, but she was adopted by the Lagambinos. Okay? If that doesn't sound Italian to you, we need to talk. Okay? When Rosalie was two years old, her adoptive mother, mother died. Her dad worked at PPG 40 hours a week. First shift. He'd been there a while. And he didn't know what to do with the two-year-old. Didn't have anybody to leave her with. Occasionally his sister would watch her, but she couldn't do it every day. And so, pretty easy. He'd put food out for her inside the house and then tie her to the front porch column so she could get out in the fresh air and play in the yard and get back in the house when she was hungry. And she lived that way until she started school. She started school, and then she could go to school, walk with the other kids in the neighborhood to school and back. I didn't know Rosie until she was about 40-some years old. But I knew her reputation. Rosie Lagambino went to a particular bar for several weeks. When she'd whooped everybody in that bar, then she'd go to another bar. She enjoyed the change of scenery, and she enjoyed people know that she could whoop every man in Crystal City and most of the men in Festus. She was tough. One day, Bill Albright went by and knocked on her door. Saturday morning. Rosie comes to the door, throws up the door, and says, yeah, what do you want? Well, Bill, Bill Albright's a big guy, but he wasn't big enough to tangle with Rosie. And so he said, well, actually, I am visiting, visiting kids to invite them to Sunday school. I'm going to bring a bus through here uh, tomorrow morning and just wondered if you had any children who would like to attend Sunday school. And Rosie said, do I look like I have kids? He said, well, actually, no, ma'am. She said, but I know kids. He said, okay. And so Rosie walked out of her door, down the porch, 
out through the gate and into the middle of the street. And she says, hey, all you kids, get out here. And kids came from all over the neighborhood, flocking around. I mean, Rosie's in the street hollering, there's going to be something going on. It's fixing to get exciting. And they got all around her, and she says, this man is going to bring a bus by here tomorrow morning. What time? He told her. She said, it's going to take you all to Sunday school. Be ready. Pick you up here in front of my house. They all said, oh, okay. She said, go tell your moms and dads you're going. She went back in the house. Bill Albright went about two blocks over and visited some more. The next morning, he pulls his bus up, and there's 15, 16, 17 kids lined up in front of Rosie's house, all ready for Sunday school. Rosie's on the porch watching he loaded the bus, went on. Next Sunday, next Saturday, he goes back, knocks on Rosie's door again. Said, Rosie, I want you to know how much I appreciate what you did last Sunday. And she said, you want me to do it again? <laughs> yeah. She walked back down the street. Hey, all you kids, get out here. Next morning, he pulls up. Here's this whole bunch of kids lined up, ready to go to Sunday school. The third Saturday, he knocked on her door. She comes, opens the door. She said, you want me to do it again? He said, no, I want you to come. She said, I ain't going to no church. I ain't never been in church in my life. Besides, I'm Catholic. And the Holy Spirit told him exactly what to say. He said, what's the matter? Are you scared? <laughs> Rosie wasn't scared of anything or anybody. She said, no, I ain't scared. Next morning, he pulls the bus up. There's a whole line of kids and Rosie Lagambino. She came to church, rode the bus to church. Came the next Sunday. Came the third Sunday. We had a guest speaker at Second Baptist Church. And at the invitation, Rosie walks down the aisle. My dad is standing at the front. And my dad told the story numerous times. He said, I knew I was fixing to get whipped. <laughs> he said, I started looking for big deacons. Rosie walks down, stands right in front of him, and says, God can't save me, can he, preacher? And my dad said, Rosie, Jesus died for everybody. If he can save me, he can save you. And he called my mom and had my mom take her in the office. Why he wanted my mom to get whipped, I don't have any idea. <laughs> but my mother spent about an hour and 15 minutes with Rosie and answered all of her questions and then led her to the feet of Jesus where she accepted Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. Rosie adopted our family. She showed up for every holiday, every birthday. Anytime she didn't have something else to do, she was at our house. And then she found a new ministry. She began attending ladies' Bible studies. And really got into it. And she found out that in Sunday school, we used flannel graph. And she could paint flannel graph scenes. She's a pretty good artist. Especially if she had something to copy. And she painted literally hundreds of flannel graph scenes. One for every class. 
and one for every different Bible story. Now, some scenes you can use for several Bible stories, but if it needed a new scene, Rosie painted it. Did months, in fact, years, several years, painting flannel graph scenes. One day, she found out that people went to the prison and preached in prison. And so, Rosie found out what you had to do and how you had to be uh, vetted to get into the prison. And, you know, they had to check you out, pass some kind of security clearance or something. And, and so she started the process, went through all that. And she would go to prison and preach the same way you're supposed to preach. You say, ladies can't preach. Then why did Jesus say, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel? He's not talking about pastoring. He's talking about giving people the gospel. And Rosie did it. Three big guys approached her one day, one in front, one on each side, and said, we're black Muslims. We don't like you in here preaching about Jesus. And Rosie said, that's just because you ain't never been saved. You get saved and you'll like it. She didn't back down. One day she's in prison. I think uh, the prison at Marion, Illinois. And there's an escape attempt. They lock down the prison for 24 hours. Rosie is in the prison. All the prisoners are in their cells, locked up. And she's locked down in a particular cell block. I think it's two or three stories high. And so she has 24 hours to walk from cell to cell, giving these guys the gospel. Okay? I'm not sure, but they may have pleaded with the warden. Please, we'll tell you anything you want to know. Just let her out of here. That was Rosie Lagambino. Who would have thought a woman that mean would have that kind of testimony. I'll tell you who. God. He knew her before she was conceived. He put her in Crystal City so Bill Albright could knock on her door. So she could get saved and so she could spread the gospel. Rosie had was a brittle diabetic who would never take medication for it. She never took insulin. And I asked her one time, Rosie... Didn't the doctor say you have diabetes? And she said, yeah, but he's wrong. And I said, how do you know that? She said, because diabetics can't drink Pepsi. And she drank a gallon of Pepsi a day. Two two two-liter bottles. And then with intermittent doses in between, in cans. She ended up losing one leg and then... Eventually lost the other leg. This isn't part of the story, but I'm going to tell it anyhow. I went to visit her because she was laying in the hospital and wouldn't take physical therapy, nothing. One of the nurses said, said, Brother Randy, you need to talk to her because she's going to die in here. She's given up. And so I walked in, stood by her bed, and I said, Hey, Rose, how you doing? She said, Oh, I'm okay, I guess. I said, Well, I got bad news. She said, What's that? 
I said, uh, this hospital can now do anything they want to to you, and you can't sue them. She said, why not? I said, they said you hadn't got a leg to stand on. <laughs> she started laughing. That's the day she started getting better. She got a motorized wheelchair. I am so glad she wasn't Tim, the tool man Taylor, or you wouldn't have been able to stop her. Okay? She would have had that thing revved up. She rode all over town in it. Got her a van so she could load it in the back of the van and she could drive with no feet. See? You say, well, yeah, she had hand controls. Yeah, but I don't know if she had one for the brake. All I ever saw her do was accelerate. Man. What a sight. God said, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. I'm too young. Or I'm too bashful. Or I don't think I can do it. Verse 7, but the Lord said unto me, say not. Say not. Say not I'm a child. Say not I'm too bashful. Say not I can't do it. Say not I have this handicap or I have this disability or I have this reason or I have this excuse. An excuse is a pretty good reason, but it's stuffed with a lie, So just so you'll know the difference. And, 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 and God, I can't do it. God says, don't tell me that. I planned it before you were born. You can do anything I ask you to do. And the truth of the matter is, you can't do it. But He is able. He is able. And He'll do it through you. And so all you got to do is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I know I can't. You know I can't. So if anything gets done, you get the glory. If it falls apart, I'll take the blame. And just watch God work. Watch God work. I love watching God work. I love watching Him do stuff. In fact, I get up in the mornings, and I've told you this before, I get up in the morning and I say, God, what are you doing today? I'd like to watch. I'd like to get in on it if you'll let me. I know He doesn't need me, but sometimes He lets me help. It's pretty incredible. And He's got something for you and a plan for you. And all you've got to do is say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. The first part of his plan for you is for you to receive Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. I don't care if people think you've been saved for 100 years. Well, maybe not that long. But it doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. The only thing that matters is what you and God know. God knows whether you're saved or not, and you ought to know whether you're saved or not. If you're not saved, then get saved. Jesus did all the work. He's the one that went to the cross. He's the one that, that died in your place, took his own sin, uh, took, excuse me, took your sin into his own body and shed his blood to cover your sin so he could save you when you ask him. And he's just waiting for you to ask. Because he'll not turn anybody away. He wants you to be saved worse than you want to be saved. 
because he already has seen hell throughout all of eternity, and he doesn't want you there. So the first thing you need to do is get saved. If you've already been saved, then the next thing you need to do is say, yes, Lord, I'm going to follow you in the first step of obedience, and that's baptism. You need to come and say, I'm willing to be baptized. It's what Jesus wants me to do. That's the second part of God's plan. Part three, if you've been saved and you've been baptized, then you need to be in a church where you can serve God and join with the body of Christ to accomplish His plan and purpose for that area, that community. And if this is the church, then get in. Say, how do you receive members? Well, we receive members who have been saved and baptized and are willing to say so. If they are members of another Baptist church, then we, of like faith and practice, then we will accept them and request a letter of recommendation from that church. If the church is no longer in existence, then we will accept them by statement, that they state that, yes, I have been saved and baptized into a church of like faith and practice. Church that believes the Bible, practices the Bible. You say, well, is there any other way you accept members? Oh, yeah. If a person has been saved but never been baptized, we will baptize them and then accept them into the church. Okay? So, person needs to be saved, person needs to be baptized, person needs to join the church, and then person needs to get busy. Get busy. Get busy. Doing what? Whatever God impresses you. Whatever God tells you. Don't come to me and say, Brother Casey, what do you want me to do? Ask God, what do you want me to do? Because what I need done might be different than what God wants you to do. And he may have somebody else to do what I want done. Okay? So you ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to do. And let's build a body, a church body, made up of people who recognize that Jesus planned for you to accomplish something from Him, for Him, before you were ever created. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows it all. That's as simple as I know how to make it. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your precious word. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit who illuminates it and points it out to us and, and, and teaches us your word. Dear Lord, give us the wisdom, what we used to call common sense, to recognize that your way is always best and always right. And help us to respond to you this morning as you deal with our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.